Friends were a rare commodity for someone such as myself. I had difficulty reaching beyond my comfort zone and struggled in the most basic social environments. When I entered university, I had hopes that through necessity, I would evolve past my limitations and actually interact with those around me. This, of course, would have proven incorrect rather quickly. I was fairly studious, and so I never found myself overburdened with schoolwork. Without friends, romance, or homework to occupy me, I was left with one thing above all else, an abundance of time. I tried passing it the way most do, through video games, movies, and aimless browsing on the internet. I even picked up a few hobbies, only to drop them the moment I hit a wall in my progression. I wasn't really involved in them, primarily because I was viewing them as a way to burn time, to escape it more than anything. Daydreaming seemed to be the only thing I was truly good at, imagining a life better than the one I was in. Not to say it was a terrible life, I know how bad it could have been, but I always imagined more. I can't say where or when I first heard of lucid dreaming. I must have stumbled across it in the comment section of a forum or something. The concept of actually having control over your dreams immediately appealed to me. I was experiencing greater difficulty immersing myself in my other pastimes, so this felt like a natural step forward. I figured that it might do me some good to put more of a focus on my sleeping habits, as I had admittedly adopted a sporadic sleep schedule that wasn't doing me any favors. I initially had difficulty initiating a lucid dream and promptly became frustrated. I had followed all of the steps, kept dream journals, and prepared a reality test. Despite my efforts, I had yet to achieve any results. I would have given it up if it had been like any other pastime I had been consumed with, but the allure of reaching this playground within my mind was quite a motivator. Then, it happened. I was in my campus residence, cleaning takeout residue off the desk in the corner of my room. As I used my hand to sweep the cardboard boxes and sauce packets into a waste bag, a ray of light escaped through the blinds of the window just to the left of the desk. I squinted and placed the bag down. I pulled the blinds up and looked outside. The sun was glowing without a cloud in the sky. I looked over at the clock on my nightstand. It was 10 p.m. I looked back at the window. How was it so bright outside at this time? I looked back at the clock. It read 9 a.m. None of this made any sense. The realization suddenly hit me. I was dreaming. When did I fall asleep? It did not matter. 
I placed my hand against a neighboring wall and pressed in. The concrete melded around it and gave way to my force. I walked forward as it rippled away. I was standing, or rather, suspended, several stories above the ground beside my living quarters. I began to rapidly descend to the ground. I felt my stomach fly into my chest as I plummeted. At the last moment, I stopped inches away from the asphalt. I repositioned myself until I was upright and standing near the center of the courtyard in front of my building. My surroundings were familiar, yet foreign, an imperfect replica. This mental construction of my campus was skewed in ways I could not quite define. Benches and potted plants still flanked the centerpiece fountain as they did in reality, but the proportions and textures were off ever so slightly. It was almost unsettling. I wasn't sure how to spend my time as I was overwhelmed with possibilities. My eyes caught a sign in front of the parking lot. As I tried to read it, the letters moved amongst themselves, making the message impossible to decipher. I noticed something. There wasn't much activity beyond myself in this dream. I didn't quite know what to expect, as this was the first lucid dream I could recall. But a deafening silence caused me to stop in place. Even the water from the fountain was not audible. I didn't see anyone when I landed in the courtyard. I felt something though. I turned around and froze. In the courtyard, dozens of people stood, completely still. Classmates, people I had seen in passing made up the crowd. Their hands were to their sides and their expressions were blank. They were all facing me, heads locked on, but not their eyes. Their eyes were looking past me, to my right. I thought I saw something, more like felt something, in the corner of my eye. What were they looking at? I felt myself pivot to face whatever the crowd was focusing on. I was straining my eyes, trying to wake up. I couldn't. My head turned. I looked past the second residence building across the courtyard. I willed myself to stop, but I was past the point of no return. I had already committed myself to the action. I continued to turn until I faced the parking lot to the right of my residence building. I eased up. Nothing seemed out of place. I looked past the asphalt lot and surrounding road as sunlight trickled down onto the forested landscape of the campus's border. My heart stopped. There was something just beyond the trees. It was too far away to make out what it was. I squinted. It looked like it was moving, or rather morphing. 
Into what? I was not sure. It had a foreboding presence. I tried to move away, stop looking at it, but my body didn't respond. I couldn't call for help, let alone speak. My jaw moved, but no sound came out. My eyelids locked open as I was forced to stare at that formless thing. I jolted out of bed. My alarm was buzzing. I sat upright in for a few moments, catching my breath. The bedsheets clung to me from my perspiration. I looked at myself reflected on the dusty television set sitting across the room. What messed up part of my subconscious was that supposed to be? I craned my neck to look at the clock sitting on my nightstand. 5.30 a.m. An hour before I set my alarm. I was wide awake now and had no intention of remaining in bed. I rubbed my face and pivoted to stand up. I stopped mid-motion. I faced the clock again. 5.31 a.m. My body eased at the sight of this. I stood up and looked towards the blank concrete wall that my bed was pushed against. I placed a hand on it and pushed. There was no give. I removed my hand from it. I had never let a nightmare affect me like this before. I forced myself to break out of the trance. I'd probably forget about the dream in a week or so, overwritten by whatever amalgamations of thoughts my mind decided to torture me with next. I turned around from the wall and clipped my right knee on my desk. I silently cursed and approached my wardrobe. I picked out a basic outfit and selected the books I required for the day from a pile sitting beside the cabinet. Within half an hour, I had thrown together a quick breakfast, washed up, and was out of the door and on the way to the class. As I exited the residence building and found myself in the courtyard, I began to feel nauseous. I approached a large cement planter near the side of the courtyard and leaned against its edge. Students were beginning to pour out of the surrounding buildings. I kept my gaze locked to the ground. Most of them were too busy with their own lives to pay attention to me. Regardless, I was afraid to look at them. I had an irrational fear that they may all stare back. I could not get the image out of my head from the previous night. To my back was the parking lot and beyond that, the tree line. I sat there, staring at the walkway, trying to assign my focus to something else, but in my mind's eye, the tree line remained. I stood up, and for a moment, debated whether I should look. I decided against it and made my way towards the eastern lecture hall. I was 20 minutes early when I had arrived. I walked to the back of the hall and found a seat. As the hall slowly filled with others, I scribbled away in my notebook, secretly praying that no one sat too close to me. Once the lecture started, I realized that 
I could not retain any information. My thoughts were in the tree line. It would not leave me. As the scene continued on repeat, it became more vivid. The memory began to alter. The colors and patterns of the entity varied. Was this no longer a memory and just my imagination adding to the dream? Perhaps I was remembering it wrong. I was pulled out of my trance as everyone rose from their seats. The lecture had concluded. I didn't take in a single word. The students convened at a choke point leading to the only exit. I chose to wait it out at my seat. I looked back down at my notebook, searching for something to occupy me. I stared upon a crudely drawn portrait of the tree line. I had no recollection of drawing it. I must have done it passively. The lines of the drawing were almost as if they were scratched in. There were seven trees of varying shapes and sizes arranged in an uneven line. What captured my attention was what sat in the center of the page. Between two of the trees was an erratic swirl of ink. Lines and shapes collided with zero reasoning to their design. It was as if hundreds of drawings were layered on top of one another, resulting in something that was incomprehensible. Yet, it felt as if my eyes were always on the verge of recognizing one of those shapes, getting closer to identifying something in the chaotic mass the longer I stared at it. A door slamming on the far side of the hall broke me free from my obsession over the image. The hall was completely empty. I closed my notebook and slid it into my bag. I walked to the nearest aisle on my right and descended the steps toward the exit. About halfway down, I stopped. Had something moved? I kept my gaze towards the exit. I knew I was alone in this room. I watched everyone leave for the exit, didn't I? Perhaps I had missed someone in the back? I dug my fingernails into the palm of my right hand. I turned my head to the left of the room. It was empty. Why wouldn't it have been? I saw everyone leave. I continued down the stairs. As much as I tried to reassure myself, I could not force out a deep feeling of unease. For a moment, I thought I saw something in my peripheral vision. I pushed through the door and into the lobby of one of the educational buildings. There was no way I would be able to focus in my current mindset. I decided to go home and get some rest. I would pick up my studies the following day. I reached the courtyard in front of my residence and felt the presence of the tree line radiate onto me. I kept my focus locked onto the building until I entered it, making no attempt to sneak a look at the tree line, despite an excruciating desire to do so. Within moments, I was up the elevator and back in my dorm room. I slung my pack into the corner, 
and closed the door behind me, promptly locking it. I marched over to my window. The edge of the forest was visible. I closed the blinds. A headache made it difficult to concentrate. I felt a tightness in my chest. I snatched a remote from my bedside table and switched on the TV. I sat myself down on my bed and stared at the screen as its glow illuminated the room. The program flicked through the highlights of a variety of sports that I didn't follow. I could not recall why the television was left on this channel. It had been a while since I watched sports or cable, but I needed something to replace the static in my mind. I watched passively as the commentators discussed projections for upcoming matches and gossiped about team trades until I was staring at the pavement in the courtyard from a park bench. It was so sudden. I had not noticed the fatigue at all. One moment I was awake and then, like flicking a light switch, I was dreaming. Additionally, I was lucid without making any attempt. In a distant world, I could still make out commentators argue over the latest draft picks. I rubbed my eyes and looked forward. It was the tree line. I rapidly turned my head, but was met with more of the same. All of the buildings encompassing the area were absent. The small courtyard had been plucked out of the campus and placed in a clearing surrounded by dense forest. The branches and leaves of the trees mingled with one another to block out most of the light being cast from the sun above, leaving the area below obscured in shadow. There was an unsettling silence, much more severe than before. It was as if I was stranded in the vacuum of space. I stood up and carefully gravitated toward the center of the courtyard, trying to put as much space between myself and the looming woodland border. There was a sizable distance from it and the edge of the courtyard, but it felt as though it would gain ground the moment I looked away. I tried to take control, alter my movement, transport myself away, but it was to no avail. I tried to will myself awake. Nothing. My head darted around, desperately attempting the impossible task of monitoring the entirety of my surroundings. Then, I felt it again. Something in the corner of my eye. Something watching. I knew where it was. I couldn't explain it, but its presence was unmistakable. I turned around in a slow and deliberate fashion. There it was, located just past the tree line. It was distant, but even if it was in arm's reach, I would have had difficulty making out its profile. It seemed to be in a state of constant metamorphosis, never resting in a definitive form. I could not deduce where its eyes were or whether it even had them, but I could feel it observing me. I didn't dare to blink. Looking upon it instilled great terror 
but I feared what it would do if I looked away. All the while, my inside screamed for me to wake. The floor fell away from me, and I plummeted into an infinite abyss, continually gaining momentum until I awoke facing the spine of a textbook from a previous semester. I was on the floor, shivering, staring underneath my bed at old reading material that I had carelessly shoved under my bed. I must have rolled onto the floor in my sleep. I sat up and looked at my bedside clock. It read 5.30 a.m. The television continued to flicker in the dark as a sports anchor discussed the top 10 plays of the week. I felt around for the television remote and found it near the foot of the bed. I grabbed it and flicked the screen off. I climbed up to sit on the chair at my desk and flipped open my laptop. I began sifting through forums on lucid dreams and nightmares, looking for something to assuage my fears. Despite how long I looked and how broad I searched, I couldn't find anything directly related to my experiences. As the sun began to rise, I realized that it was unlikely I would find anything conclusive. As a final effort, I left a post asking if anyone had experienced something similar. I sat back and stared at the screen, analyzing the words that I had just typed. I exhaled and shut the laptop. The sun had begun to rise and light found its way into my room. Despite my apprehension, I needed to be productive that day if I wanted to catch up on my workload. I washed up, ate something, and rushed towards the elevator. I pressed the call button and the elevator doors slid open. They closed moments after I entered. I watched the numbers above the door count down as it made its descent. Seven, six, five, four. The lights went out. An intense feeling of vertigo washed over me. I couldn't feel the floor. Was the elevator in a free fall? A chime caught my attention as the elevator doors opened. The lights were on and I was at the ground floor. Did I imagine that? I snapped out of my stupor just in time to prevent the doors from automatically closing with my foot. As the doors retracted, I entered the lobby. Through the lobby's glass double door, I could see into the courtyard. I suppressed the dread from within me and approached the exit. I stopped directly in front of the door, though it felt more akin to standing on the edge of a cliff. The sun shone down from a cloudless sky upon the courtyard. The scene before me made my trepidation seem comical. I collected myself and pushed the left door open. As it opened, my eyes remained locked on the door, keeping myself focused on the task at hand in an effort to calm myself. I watched as the door reflected the world like a camera rapidly panning. I stood in place as I held the door open. I did not blink. For a split second, 
the door reflected the forested area. In that brief moment, I saw it. The thing in my dreams. The thing that was watching me. It had moved closer. It was already halfway across the clearing. A throat cleared behind me. I turned to see a young man with his arms wrapped around a binder and three textbooks. He looked unimpressed. I let go of the door and cleared the way. He silently walked past me and caught the door just before it shut on itself, aggressively shoving it forward. I watched as the door swung back again, catching the forest in its reflection. That thing had disappeared. My gaze met the neighboring wall. I pressed my hand against it. No give. I know what I saw. I couldn't leave this building. I backed up away from the exit and headed back to my dorm room. I have little recollection of what occurred during the day that followed. They seemed to melt away as I hid in my room. What I do recall are the dreams. Each night, I would appear in the courtyard, except details would seem to be lost. Planters, benches, and pathways would either disappear, or their shape and color would corrupt into something unrecognizable. The only consistency was that formless entity, which came closer with each passing night. The tree line behind it eventually evaporated, leaving an empty void. As it got closer, its form became even more inexplicable. It was everything and nothing all at once. A mad swarm of colors and shapes on the verge of recognition. Every time I brought myself to look upon it, it felt as though someone had reached into the back of my skull and began to pull on my optic nerves. As it got closer, the overwhelming silence that accompanied it transitioned into a low, pulsating noise that seemed to emanate from inside my skull. When I awoke from these experiences, I would be even more exhausted than the last. During what I perceived to be my waking hours, I would sift through concerned emails in my inbox from professors and administration, hoping I would find a message that indicated that someone may have finally responded to my post. It went ignored. I had begun to consume vast amounts of caffeine, attempting to stave off sleep. I hoped that I may delay that thing's progress by doing so. As an additional precaution, I had an alarm on my phone set for every half hour. I did not want to think about what may happen if it were to reach me. I had just lost count of how many times I had refreshed my email when I leaned back in my computer chair. Nothing caught me. I continued to fall backward until my ceiling transitioned into a blue sky. I struggled to catch a breath. It felt as if someone was pressing both hands on my chest. I struggled to sit up. I was in the courtyard again. 
I had fallen asleep. My head throbbed. I looked up from the concrete, and my body went rigid. That thing had reached the courtyard. Not only that, but it had changed. It had stretched itself, fencing me inside the area. In every direction, a wall of unearthly substance met my gaze with its own, silently watching. I wanted to shout for help, but I doubled over in pain, as if my chest was being pierced by giant rods. A siren blared in my ears, and my right leg began to vibrate. I awoke in my chair, eyes bloodshot. My phone continued to buzz in my right pocket. I trembled as I pulled it out and dismissed the alarm. I leaned over to the desk drawer and whipped it open. Inside was a bottle of caffeine pills. I dumped a handful and gulped them down with a flat soda that was sitting on the corner of my desk. I winced and looked at the clock: two twenty-five a.m. I looked away, paused, then looked back at it: still two twenty-five a.m. Good. I turned to face my laptop. It had gone into rest mode. I hit enter, and it booted back to my email inbox. There was a new message. It was from the forum. Someone had responded to my post. I opened the message and clicked the link, sending me to the website. I sat there, stunned, as I stared at the words. On my screen. If you have seen it, then it is too late. I'm sorry. I felt the panic set in. I needed to run. I couldn't hide from it in my dorm room. I wasn't sure if I could hide anywhere, but I had to try. I recalled overhearing the guy in the neighboring room brag about flying to New York over the weekend. I figured his car would probably still be in the parking lot. There would be a few days before he came back. It was worth a shot. I gathered my backpack from the corner of the room and dumped its contents onto the bed. I stuffed it with my laptop, some essentials, and a change of clothes. Carefully, I approached my door and twisted the doorknob, pulling it open. The common area was devoid of light. Save for the red glow of an exit sign at the end of the hallway, I didn't want to bring attention to myself from the other dorms, so I refrained from using a light source. I took a few paces to my left with my hand dragging from the doorway to a wall, then coming into contact with another doorway, the neighbor's doorway. I stopped and stood still in front of it. I brought my hand down the door. Until I found the doorknob, I twisted it, but it did not move. As I anticipated, it was locked. This was of little concern. The residence building was old, and the locks on most doors were less than secure. I reached into my pocket and pulled a credit card from my wallet. I traced a path from the doorknob to the crack between the door. 
and frame with my left fingers. With my right hand, I slid the card into the gap and pushed it in as far as it would allow. I then angled the car towards the doorknob and wedged the card deeper into the latch. I twisted the end of the card back towards the frame. I applied pressure on the door and wiggled the car back and forth. It slipped under the slant latched and I pushed the door open. I placed my deformed card back into my wallet and crept inside, closing the door. Now that the door was closed, I pulled out my phone and turned on the flashlight. I kept it low to the ground to minimize the light escaping through the door. My eyes glazed over the room. It was in disarray as bedsheets and textbooks mingled with takeout containers on the floor. I swatted a fly as it buzzed by my face. I stepped over a tinfoil wrapper containing some unknown substance and approached a nightstand. Leaning down, I pulled the top drawer open. After digging through a cobweb of wires to old electronics, I found a key ring at the back of the drawer. I grasped it and removed my hand from the drawer. I examined it and saw the car keys dangling from it with a small remote. I placed it in my pocket and promptly turned off my light as I made my way out of the room and towards the parking lot. When I reached the ground floor, I nearly froze at the side of the courtyard in the pale glow of the street lamps that surrounded it. Determined, I pushed forward, keeping my gaze locked on the ground as I marched. I did not dare look at the darkness beyond the campus and what may be lurking in the tree line. Moments later, I was in the parking lot. I looked upon sea of parked vehicles. I had only heard my neighbor owned a car, but never what type it was. I reached into my pocket and snatched the key ring. I fumbled with it until I held the car remote. I hit a button with an open padlock on it. Tail lights flashed a few paces in front of me. It was a beat-up Econobox. It had been a while since I had driven, but I figured that I wouldn't draw too much attention as long as I played it safe. I approached the driver's side door of the scratched-up green hatchback and flung it open. I tossed my bag into the passenger seat and entered, closing the door behind me. I put on the seatbelt and placed the keys into ignition, turning them. The engine wheezed to life. I put it in drive and navigated towards the parking lot exit. As I approached it, a cold realization settled over me. The road leading out of the campus passed to the left of the wooded area. Underpowered street lamps littered the solitary road, barely eliminating the asphalt underneath them. To its right, unrelenting darkness. I took a deep breath and pulled out onto the road. As the car progressed and shuddered with every bump, I kept my head locked forward. It wasn't long before I felt it again. That feeling of being watched, of something hiding in the far corner of my right eye. 
except this time it felt as though a wall of a million eyes pierced through the darkness. I feared that if I were to turn, just to take a glance, something would be pressed against the window staring right back at me. As I gripped the steering wheel, I was confident I was awake. Though I was not in the realm of sleep, something told me that fact alone no longer guaranteed my safety. Subconsciously, my foot applied pressure to the accelerator and the speedometer continued to climb. I had made some distance from the campus and was on the latter half of the connecting road to the nearby town. My eyes became heavy, but I strained to keep them open. Without warning, a deer hopped in front of the car. I slammed on the brakes. The car skidded to a stop inches in front of it. The deer stood there, staring at me with its shining eyes, then skipped off across the road. My body shook from adrenaline. I looked up at my rearview mirror. The taillights drenched the road behind me in a red luminance. My head pounded and my eyes felt like they had been grazed by sandpaper. I blinked. A wall of flesh stood bathed in the crimson radiance. I slammed my foot against the gas pedal. The car's wheel screeched against the road. I felt myself drift into the other lane. Sensing this, my eyes left the rearview mirror and focused on the windshield. I pulled the car back into its lane and peered at the mirror again. The road was once again empty. My breathing quickened. Had I fallen asleep just for a moment? I slapped my head several times. My head was pounding. I couldn't think straight. My hand reached over towards the bag in the passenger seat. Keeping my eyes on the road, I felt for the front pouch and unzipped it, reaching inside. My hand searched until I found the bottle of caffeine pills. I grabbed it and bit down on the safety cap, twisting the bottle with my right hand until it opened. I spat the cap out and down the remaining pills, chewing most of them. The bitter taste overwhelmed my tongue, but it was of no concern to me. Time dragged as my surroundings blurred by. I was not sure how long I had been driving or where I was heading. Distance. That was all that mattered, the only thing I knew I could do. I was in the limbo between exhaustion and a caffeine high. My eyes locked on a sign announcing the city limits a stretch down the road. I blinked. I was past it. I blinked again. I was approaching it. I blinked. I was right beside it. I tried to keep my eyes open. They slammed shut. I was in my dorm. My eyes opened. My car was roaming from its lane. I hid my head. My eyes shut. I was staring out of an open window down at the courtyard. My eyes opened. The speedometer was at 108 MPH. They closed again. I was staring 
at the bright blue sky. Familiar strangers stare down at me. I awoke again. I was in the oncoming lane. Eyes closed. I was in a room of flesh. It's flesh all around me. Above and below, it watched. My eyes open. Headlights consumed the windshield. Impact. Darkness. Noise. Warmth. Silence. My eyes were met by a blinding fluorescent light. A green curtain wrapped around me. I was on a bed. I tried to move, but a fiery pain ricocheted around the inside of my body. I attempted to move my head, but something was restricting it. I looked down. I was in a reclined position. Casts and bandages covered most of my body. An intermittent beep disturbed the silence of the room. Somewhere, a door opened, followed by footsteps and humming. The sound became louder. The curtain was pulled to the side. A man in green scrubs stood in front of the bed. I watched as his eyes drifted from the curtain to myself. His nonchalant expression transitioned into amazement. He sprinted out of the room. I faded out again. When I came to, a woman in a white coat sat near my bedside. Her jaw was practically agape. Noticing my questioning stare, she broke out of her shock. Can you hear me? She spoke softly. Yes. The words physically pained me to produce. That's good, she said, her gaze trailing off. I stared back at her, unsure of what was happening. I found her behavior rather odd. As if responding to this, she continued. Sorry if this is less than professional, but it's just... We are amazed at your recovery. What do you remember? Her cadence felt more like an interview rather than an assessment. I wasn't sure how much to tell her. I feared that they may lock me up somewhere if I shared my experience. I decided to keep it simple. I remember approaching the city limits. Then, headlights. My chest screamed in pain as I breathed. Her eyes narrowed. She appeared perplexed. You remember driving? She said haltingly. Yes, I hadn't had much sleep. I must have fell asleep at the wheel. I winced with each sentence. Her eyes met mine. I couldn't quite read them. But something troubled me about the way she looked through me. She cut to the point. Why do you think you're here? She said, folding her arms. The crash. I was in a car accident. My fear seeped into my words. She looked upon me with pity. Why was she looking at me like that? 
It was a car accident. I remember. It was a car accident. I rose my voice despite the sharp pain. I'm sorry, but that's not what your file says, she said sympathetically. The pain in my body became distant. What did she mean? Her eyes fell to the ground. What are you saying? It felt like knives were jabbing in all directions as I spoke. You fell from the seventh floor of a residence building. Her voice was solemn. No, that's not right. I wouldn't have done that. I tried to move and my body punished me. She stared at me for a moment silently. Her eyes said everything. I suggest you don't strain yourself too much. The likelihood of someone surviving a fall like that is incredibly slim. You have a long road ahead of you, but I'm optimistic for your recovery. What you need to do is get some rest. As she spoke, she attempted to inject a false optimism that quickly broke apart with every word. I began to move my mouth to talk, but the pain shot through my body again. I just looked back at her in silence. She gave a slight smile and walked out of the room. Did I really imagine all of that? It felt so real. Why would I have all of those memories, but no recollection of the events leading to my fall? It had been brain trauma. That was the only explanation. That thing that was following me. Had it been a work of my imagination as well? It must have been. That is what I would like to believe, but it is not true. Even now, I can feel it watching me. They tell me that they will mend my broken body, but I know it is a lie. Sometimes, when I wake, I see the facade break into a single blink. I see my surroundings engulfed by its formless image. It watches me, and all I can do is stare back. I'm not sure where I am. It is a mirage between dream and reality that ends past these walls, where there is only that deafening silence. I'm a captive whose only purpose is to be observed, a punishment for seeing what I was not meant to. If this reaches the outside world, take it as a warning for meddling in its domain. To those who still wish to wander past the waking world, I have only one warning. Do not look upon that which waits in the corner of your eye.